You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Student Pastor Josh Barnett. Well, open your Bibles to uh, Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to be picking up right where Paul left off last week in verse 16. If you want to put a a kind of a subtitle uh, for tonight, you can title this Freedom from the Isms. Freedom from the Isms. I-S-M-S. I'll explain what that means in just a second. Let's read this real quick. We're going to read Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 through 23, and then we're going to discuss it. Verse 16 says, So therefore, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. So good. So good. And I want you to feel that tonight. This, as I was reading and studying this, this last part of chapter two, you should feel some freedom from this. And that's what we're going to explain tonight is there is freedom from man-made religions. There is freedom from the law. There is freedom from things that people tried to put on you. And so as we start this t- tonight, I want you to know it's Jesus plus nothing. It's just Jesus. I talked about it Sunday morning. He's the one thing. And, and, and this you know, piggybacks perfectly with what I talked about Sunday because it's all these other things that people try to throw on us. And Paul's saying, no, it's just Christ. It's just Christ. Now, I love in verse 16, most translation, Paul begins with, so therefore, and he goes into his little spiel. Because up to this point, Paul has been explaining who Jesus is to the Colossians and what he has accomplished through his death and resurrection. And this entire section from the therefore is a bold declaration from Paul, and you can feel the freedom. We have been set free through Christ, and this is Paul declaring to us that we never have to fall into any kind of spiritual bondage through man-made religion again, because Christ is sufficient. We don't have to fall into the isms that I'm going to talk about tonight to try to supplement Jesus. Now, <laughs> it's so funny, but uh, having Pastor Paul on staff is always hard when, it, when, you're t- when you're teaching something that the Apostle Paul taught. So, so if I say Paul, try to pick up what I'm talking about, the Apostle or, or Pastor Paul. But Pastor Paul Kern, he spent the last two, we- two Wednesdays teaching on our reconciliation with Jesus. And now that we're in union with him, how to walk with him. So I want to encourage you, if you missed the last two, he really connects the dots to what I'm going to be going into tonight. The Apostle Paul, now that he has talked about our reconciliation and our union with Jesus, he is now going to give us a warning or a command. 
And there are three isms that Paul is addressing in these verses to the Colossians. Now, Paul didn't use an ism word, but he clearly is telling us to watch out for these isms. I'm going to use these because it's clearly, they're, they're, they're easier to remember. You might say like, oh, I didn't come here for like a theological lecture. Well, these are just words that, that take something that is a big concept and make it a small thing. That's why we use words. Um, <laughs> these, and we've got to know these isms are a danger to us today. Every, all three of these isms, Paul is warning, these are substitutions for Christ, so they are evil. They deny the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus for our lives. They are sinful. They are temptations that we must avoid. They are deceitful traps that we have to be leery of, that we have to be aware of, because these are something that we can easily slip into and fall into because they sound kind of like Christianity but they are not Christianity. And so we've got to be careful, and we as believers, we have got to so know what Jesus looks like and what he has done for us that we recognize false teaching when it comes in. That is why teaching and verse-by-verse studies that we do on Wednesday night are very, very, very important for our body. They're super important. Paul says in Corinthians, take heed, therefore, lest ye fall. So some people think like, well, you know, I'm I'm good. Like, I'm not going to fall into that. Paul says, take heed. Like, you better watch out, because it's right around, Satan's right around the corner waiting to get you, for, get you with something. So, in verses 16 and 17, the first ism that Paul is warning us of is legalism. Legalism. So, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Now, legalism is the belief that we become more acceptable to God based on what we do, based on what we do. <laughs> there, were, there were Jewish Christians, Jewish teachers in Colossae that were pressuring new believers to observe laws that Jesus had already fulfilled, pressuring them to, to observe diets, days. Even earlier in this chapter, he mentioned circumcision, but all of these things had been fulfilled and no longer do we have to observe those types of things. So, and he even says in, in uh, verse 17 that these things are a shadow of what was to come. And so, a lot of times, you run into some legalistic people and they, you know, they ask, like, do you take a Sabbath? I've had a lot of people ask me that. Do you take a Sabbath? Yeah, every day. With Jesus. Because Jesus is the Sabbath. Jesus is our rest. Now, is it important to take one day off a week from work? Yes. Because if you work seven days a week, 24 hours a day, you're going to die. <laughs> Your body cannot handle it. It is actually a grace that we get to rest once a week. That's nice. But, but the, on, looking at the Sabbath day was just a picture, a shadow of Jesus coming to be our rest. But they were being pressured to try to, 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 to go into these things. Now, legalism still finds its way into churches today. What legalism does is it fools us into thinking our relationship with God is based on outward behaviors rather than our internal hearts. And legalism is bondage. Legalism is demonic. Legalism is weighty. We have been set free from the law. Actually, Paul Paul addresses this whole thing in in the whole book of Galatians. But Galatians chapter 4 verse 9, Paul says, Christ freed you. Why would you go enslave yourself again? Christ freed you from that. This was too heavy. And and the Pharisees had added all of these rules over the years that aren't even found in the original law. 
And it, and it was just so heavy, no one could walk these things out. <clears throat> uh, the, these Jewish customs, these laws, these rituals were merely pointing to Christ. But now that Christ has come, he is our new reality. In him we live and move and have our being. These shadows no longer hold any value. I want to relate it to you this way, maybe kind of like a modern thing where we can get a hold of how the law was a shadow. These rituals were a shadow of Christ coming. Um, When you are pregnant, or I guess when ladies are pregnant, when ladies are pregnant, you go and get an ultrasound and you see a picture of the baby that is coming. That was like the law and the rituals and the things they were observing. It was a picture of Jesus coming. Now that now once a, a, a mother has her baby in her arms, how crazy would it be for her to sit there with her ultrasound and talk to it? You're going to spend time with the ultrasound in the picture and talk to it. That is as crazy as it would be to, to, to follow all of these laws that Christ has already fulfilled. A mother would never do that. These rituals show the life that was to come and that now has come that is here. So why continue them? Why hold on to them with such high esteem? Are they as valuable as the one that they pointed to? Absolutely not. So how dare we try and force other people to follow rituals, customs, when Christ is now here? Leave the shadow behind and embrace the real man. Hebrews 10 verse 1 says the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Now, for us today, obviously, we don't, you know, we don't talk about a lot about Sabbaths in here. We don't talk a lot about um, rituals and ceremonies and diets and those types of things. But for us, certain other things that we do as Christians can become religious legalism behavior that we begin to lump on other people that we're not supposed to do. So, you know, worship, prayer, fasting, Bible reading, church attendance are all essential disciplines of a believer, but they can easily become empty rituals. They can easily become empty ceremonies where we are just going through the motions. We're not doing those things from, from a place of love with God. And I see people, as they begin to slip into just going through the motions, they slip into legalistic behavior where they demand everybody does things a certain way like they do them. And that is not, that's not God's heart. And, and, and many times we go to a place where like, well, you have to do this and this and this so that you can get God's love and approval. And that is not the way that it works. We are saved by grace alone through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Our temptation is to lean towards a legalistic form of Christianity that demands a certain moral behavior in order to obtain salvation. And we've got to know that in the same way Jesus overcame the darkness so that we could be free, he also fulfilled the law so that we could be free. He is the reality of what all the laws of the Torah were pointing to. His life, death, and resurrection are sufficient. They don't need to be supplemented in any way. In fact, if you do supplement it in any way, it can, it's a little blasphemous, actually, to say that you need Jesus and something else. And I do want to throw a quick warning in here. We've got to beware of the danger of religious mechanical duty because I believe that it's the first step into hypocrisy. Beware of religious mechanical duty because it's the first step into hypocrisy. Because you can come in here and you can sing the words, but you're not really singing the words. 
You can sing it without meaning it. You can read your Bible like it's the newspaper. You can do these things and it actually, you know, you can, (laughs) where are you during church? Not like if you don't show up, but I mean, even when you sit in this building right now, where are you? Because you could be thinking about other things and not actively engaging with what the Holy Spirit is is doing in the room. I know it because I've done it. I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of being somewhere else. I'm guilty of, of nodding at Tim and Paul like I'm paying attention, but my mind is elsewhere. I'm not saying that we don't get distracted and lose focus and have to come back, but I, but I, but I want to say sometimes people come just to keep up an appearance. And I think this is Isaiah chapter 1 where, where God looks at the people of Israel and he says, I hate your gatherings and I hate your offerings and I hate your sacrifices. I wish you would do the more important things. I wish you would care for the poor and the sick and I wish you would look out for the widow and I wish you would do justice because you're going through these religious ceremonies like they mean something. So you can easily come up and and raise your hands in church but it'd actually just be empty because you're doing it so that you look good to the people around you. God is not fooled by our performances. (laughs) That's why he says they honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. We've got to be careful that we don't become bored with God, bored with church, and bored with his people. Because if you do, you're going to begin dabbling in other pursuits. You're going to begin looking for other stimulants, stimulants for your souls. We can easily slip into a legalistic spirit. We can come up with a moral code that makes us feel better about ourselves for following and then look down on other people for not maintaining the same moral code. So you may have a moral code where you read a certain amount of scripture per day that's totally fine if you do, but you can't look down on other people for not doing that. that is, that's, that's not right. You can encourage people to read a certain amount, but I, I can't get mad at, if I read three chapters a day, I can't get mad at Jason Rolke for only reading one. <laughs> Does that, okay, so that, that is where we very easily, now, if, it's, if you're convicted, hold your convictions with zeal and passion, but you cannot explicitly judge other believers for not following your convictions if they're not firmly taught in scripture. If your convictions are to eat a certain way or to abstain from certain foods or drink that make you feel closer to God, that's awesome. Do it. That's great. If if, if not eating meat is is something spiritual to you, more power to you. But eating meat to me is just a spiritual experience every time. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) Jesus came to free us from the heavy yoke and the burden of the law. Romans 7 6 says, but now we have been released from the law for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Jesus saved us. He fulfilled the law. His spirit now lives in us to empower us to obey him. So I, I do want to end with this. I think uh, this point, not y'all are getting excited like, oh, he's ending. Let's go. No, I want to end point number one with this. Um, and, and, and really, I, could, I probably need to preach a whole sermon on this a little bit. But, but uh, just because there are rules doesn't mean the rules are legalistic. Many times the church looks at something that it, people in the church many times look at something they don't like, uh, some rule, and say, well, that's, that's legalism. And they use, they use that legalism word to justify lawlessness. And that com- the commands of God are not legalism. They only become legalism if they are the mode, measure, and method by which you become right with God. But we have to understand, please understand, there are some places Christians do not belong, and there are some things Christians have no business doing. But, it, 
But it is not the avoidance of these things that make you holy. The legalist insists that the way to holiness is following after a list of do's and don'ts. But that is not true. The answer, so we'll move, we'll move on. <laughs> but the answer for legalism is not lawlessness. Paul makes it very clear in Romans 6.1, because of this great grace should we continue in our sin. And he says, absolutely not. And even, in, even as we continue past chapter 2 into Colossians chapter 3, Paul's teaching the Colossians, Jesus saved you from these things. You can't continue living in those things. You've got to move on past those things. And I'll let Pastor Tim get into all that next week. He can unpack that box of goodies for you. Um, but we are called to live like Christ, empowered by his grace. All right, legalism is the first thing that Paul warns us about. Don't let anyone condemn you. Don't let anyone judge you. Don't let anyone mess with your mind uh, because you don't do certain things that have been done away with. Number two is mysticism. Mysticism. He addresses this in verses 18 and 19. He says, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. Mysticism is the idea that we can be more acceptable to God through some sort of supernatural experience. That you can be more acceptable. So the first one is you can be more acceptable to God by obeying these laws that have been done away with. This one is you can be more acceptable to God through some sort of supernatural experience. You need a dream or a vision or an experience to make you right with God. Or that you need a mediator besides Christ. You need an angel to pray to or a saint to pray to um, to connect you more deeply with God. There were false teachers in the church that were trying to to get people to participate in angel worship. And it was kind of weird because it, it, it was like... They had this false humility where they were like, that's cool that you think that you're good enough to go to Jesus, but we don't believe that we're good enough to go to Jesus, so we go to his angels. And then his angels will take messages from us to him. That's weird. <laughs> that, that is, that's not humility. Like, it's not humility if you brag about being humble. <laughs> that's not humility. Actually, someone that walks in humility is usually somebody that, that, that recognizes that they're prideful. But to brag about humility is a really strong indication that you are far from humble. I'm so humble. No, no, <laughs> no you're not. <laughs> now, Colossians, the people in, in Colossae would have been extremely susceptible to this because they had grown up in a mythical, pantheistic culture. It would actually be quite normal for them to worship more than one God. So this was a very easy, dangerous trap for them because it would be easy for them to just lump Jesus in with the rest of the things that they worshiped. And so this is something that could be spun very, very, very quickly um, on them. But he says, don't let anyone condemn you. Uh, and he, he talks about this false humility, this pious self-denial. Um, but, but we need to know that, <laughs> that they're vision, their revelation, their whatever gets them no more access to God than you have. If you're looking, if you're looking down on people because they don't read the Bible like you think they should, or they don't pray or fast as much you think they should, then you've got to know that that is, that's sinful. That's how that relates to us today. It's like where we think that people have to be, it's almost like we brag about our spirituality. 
Like I'm more spiritual than you because I fast or I pray or I read the word more than you or whatever. And if you want to be as spiritual as me, you got to do this. And we've got to be really careful that that's not, that's not the spirit of Christ. That's not having the mind of Christ. That, that is a, again, a false humility. This is, this is demonic. This is arrogance. Christ made us righteous. He has made us worthy. We've got to know that he alone is our mediator to the father. Um, some translations say, don't let them cheat you or rob you out of your reward by leading you into this thing where you begin to worship angels or you begin to talk to another mediator. The, the, the way they, they rob you of your reward is because they, Paul says, they're cutting off from the head. So they're cutting you off from the one that you've got to be connected to. Christ is the head of the body. And it says here that he is the one that causes the whole body to grow. And these people are cutting the head off the body by worshiping other things by, by, by claiming to have another mediator, another angel, a saint, a priest, somebody that they're talking to besides Christ. Christ is the one that holds the body together, not spiritual disciplines, not empty religion. Christ is the one who nourishes. We are to abide in him. We are to remain in him. And like it says, he is the one that brings growth. He is the one that brings transformation. Now we run into Something that you could throw into mysticism is, is new age. We actually run into a lot of new age things in hot springs. A lot around here. More than you probably will in other places. You've got to be careful when you talk to people who believe in new age. Because many people who are doing some new agey things, they're actually okay at new agey. I don't think it's a word, but bear with me. <laughs> Do <laughs> new agey things. <laughs> um, they're actually okay with you worshiping Jesus. In fact, they probably worship him too. You've got to be clear that you, you know what they're talking about and you've got to have people define their terms for you because lots of people who dive into the new ages, they do a lot of weird things that you don't find in scripture and they supplement Christ with weird stuff. I want you to know tonight, Jesus is your healing, not crystals. We, you don't need something else to heal you. Jesus is the one that does the healing. You don't need something else to smoke you don't need some trance. You don't need something else. Like you, there's no supplement to get this spiritual experience so that you can have more of God. That's not, that's not the way that it works. And so we've got to be careful that we don't fall into some kind of mystical belief. Jesus is our spiritual experience. <clears throat> now, some, I, I, sometimes I, I feel like this leaven kind of even comes in a different way where it's not, where new, where new age beliefs can be kind of overtly demonic. You kind of can pick up on that pretty quick, but I, I, I see this on social media a lot. I see advertisements for books, for teachings, for conferences, um, that are calling you for you to read, to sign up for something, to attend, to give money to. Not all of those things are bad. Some actually, some conferences and Christian things can actually be really good. What bothers me is when people act like you need a special teaching or a special revelation or a special experience or a special word to become more spiritual or whatever. I'm just going to be real with it. You don't need that. You don't need that. You can get it if you want to, but you don't need that. And don't let somebody else condemn you because you haven't gone to that or you haven't gone through that training, or you haven't heard that whatever. And listen, if you hear new revelation, you better test that spirit. Because the Bible is the plumb line. And I'm all for revelation, but it does not, it will never contradict scripture. And if it contradicts scripture, it is demonic. Stay away, stay away from it. 
but Christ is sufficient. Don't, don't treat people a certain way because you have some gifting that they don't have. I, I, I know there's a lot of people in here that don't speak in tongues, that don't pray in the spirit. I pray in the spirit all the time. I pray in the spirit a lot, but I don't look down on you like I'm some super Christian because I pray in the spirit. If you don't, I'm no more saved than you are. And it's a weird, arrogant, prideful thing. If we walk around, it's like some haughty deal because, well, I've been baptized in the spirit and you haven't been. So you're less than me. That's weird. That's not, that's not the spirit of Christ. So, and listen, listen, if you, if you are uh, walking in the gifts of spirit without the fruit of the spirit, I would question those giftings. So, um, (laughs) humility is the way that Christ showed us to walk, teach people to be connected to him, not to whatever deal you want them to do. Anyone trying to be a spiritual maverick claiming to have found a better way to acceptance and fellowship with God that's not found explicitly in scripture has actually severed themselves from the head, which is Christ. The telltale sign that something is deception is that it denies that Jesus alone is sufficient. He is sufficient. I also like in verse 19, Paul makes it very clear that you're only going to grow through your relationship with Jesus. You're only going to grow through your union with him. You can go to the conference. You can go to the training. You can read the book. You can go to the camp and you can get fired up, but you're only going to grow in your relationship with him. I've seen lots of people go to conferences, get fired up because they've been in the presence of God for a while and they come back and they do really good for two weeks and then they taper off. They're right back where they were two weeks before they went to the conference. Why? Because it wasn't about their relationship with Jesus. They went to get this spiritual high at some place, but it actually, that, that doesn't do it for you. It's your relationship with God. It's your relationship with Jesus that's going to cause you to grow. And I love that he says that um, he's the head of the body. He holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments and grows as God nourishes it. Growth is also supposed to be facilitated with the rest of the body. Don't play this isolation thing like you're going to go do your own thing somewhere else and be some isolated Christian and you're going to separate yourself from the body. That's not the way that it works. Right? You can't cut your finger off and sew it to your head and act like and think it's still going to work right. That's not the way that it works. You are connected to the body and the body is connected to the head. Bless you with that. Don't, don't forsake, don't forsake, I got some weird looks on that. Don't forsake the gathering. We are called to grow together. And I want to say this too, before I move on to number three, I may finish on time tonight. God is real. (laughs) I want to say this, we must, don't misunderstand me. I do believe that that Christians do have supernatural experience with the Lord. We do have supernatural experiences with the Lord, legitimate experiences with Christ, with the Holy Spirit. Um, But those things are are not the focal point of your spiritual life. If you want to have a spiritual experience, focus on Christ. If I tell people this a lot, like if you want the gifts of the Holy Spirit, focus on the giver. Don't chase the gifts. Chase him and he'll give you the gifts. And (laughs) 
We need to be careful about sharing our spiritual experiences. Before I share a spiritual experience that I have had, I take that to the Lord first to see if it's something that he wants me to share. But I run into a lot of people who want to share something that they experienced between them and the Lord. I think a lot of things that we share, God was meant, really wanted it just, just be you and him. How many times did Jesus heal a person and command them not to say anything? And some people, and I'm using a harsh word here, grace. Some people prostitute their secret place experiences for likes, for views, for a book, for a song. Before you run off and tell everyone how spiritual you are, why don't you ask God if he even wants you to share that? I'll bless you with that. Number three. (laughs) Number three, last one, is that Paul addresses, the last ism is asceticism. Asceticism. A-S-C-E-T-I-C-I-S-M. Asceticism. Verse 20, he says, you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why don't you keep on following the rules of this world? So why do you keep on following the rules of this world such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings and about things that deteriorate, deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desire. Excuse me. Asceticism is the practice of extreme self-denial and self-imposed suffering. It is similar to legalism where its focus is on the outward externalism, external things, but legalism is based on more of obeying the law and things that I do, where asceticism is, is more based on uh, abstaining from certain fle- fleshly or, or physical things. It's based on more of what I don't do. Um, it differs in the, the belief that we can earn favor, become more acceptable to God on the basis that we punish or discipline ourselves by denying the normal necessities and legitimate pleasures of life. It assumes that things in and of themselves are evil. <clears throat> there are a couple little ears in the room, so I will be careful in the way that I word things. But God created procreation. I'll use that word. And he created it for for it to be enjoyed. And he created food. And he created food to be enjoyed. Amen. Man, I feel like you'd get an amen on those two things, but (laughs) tough, man. God created, those things are not evil in and of themselves. They only become evil when we pervert their design. And you see this, this where it's, it's a, it, it is a physical thing, and so it's like this evil thing because it's got pleasure in it, so I have to abstain from it so that I can be more godly. You see this happen a lot in cults. David Koresh, Branch Davidians, um, and back in Waco, back in like 93 or something, um, were, were <laughs> married couples would come in, and then they would be separated and no longer allowed to sleep with each other. Because that is a physical pleasure that they had to abstain from. And so, in this, Paul is describing an overzealous legalistic life that goes far beyond what is necessary. 
A life trying to please God through extreme self-denial. Now, self-denial isn't wrong, but what's the motivation for it? It's the motive behind it. Dedication and discipline are a part of a Christian's life, but the key is doing what God wants you to do because you love him. So we can't lump a bunch of unnecessary obligations to try and earn a love that we've already been given or to win the approval of other people. Asceticism is based in the belief that the human body is evil and the cause of sin. This is not biblical. The human body is not evil. We have a sinful, fleshly nature that I I want you to know that you're not supposed to starve, you're supposed to kill. Our, our bodies aren't sinful. Our minds make our bodies do evil things. But flesh, our carnal spiritual nature, must be put to death. This doesn't mean the death of our physical bodies, but of our fallen human Adamic nature. The, the body, your body isn't evil. 1 Corinthians 6 says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Come on. <laughs> Holy Spirit's not, not indwelling in something evil. Romans 6.13 says that your body is to be used as an instrument of righteousness. That our bodies, now that we're saved, are to be used to do the good works of the kingdom. Asceticism will get people to reform, to sign pledges, to put themselves under rules and regulations, to starve the body, to inflict physical suffering on it. And surely its vile propensities will be annulled and if not eliminated. Little by little, people become spiritual and godlike. That is basically asceticism in a nutshell, that you'll do these things, that you'll starve it out, and and that you'll become more spiritual. But I want you to know that no amount of self-control, no physical physical suffering, whatever, can change the carnal mind, which scripture calls the flesh. The flesh cannot be starved into subjection. It cannot be improved by subjecting it to ordinances, whether human or divine. As we walk in the spirit and fill our minds with thoughts of the risen Christ, we are delivered from the power of fleshly lust, which wage war against our soul. I want to drive this point home that your flesh cannot be starved. So run into young men who struggle with lust. And so they think that they'll, they get rid of their phone and they'll go to an all boys school and they'll move off to Alaska where there's like no women at all. And they'll, and they'll spend a couple years there. And then when they, they come back, they'll magically be healed from lusting, but they come back and they find that women are still attractive to them. Why? Because they were trying to starve something out. And your Paul says that at the end of verse 23, they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. The flesh cannot be starved. It has to be killed. That is why Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, take up your cross and follow after me. (laughs) Jesus didn't die on the cross. Hear me, grace. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you wouldn't have to. He died on the cross to show you how. We are Galatians 2.20, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ. I nail myself to the cross with him. I go into the grave with him, and then I rise with him. <laughs> there, that, now, that is a proper self-denial. So self-denial is not bad. It's just there's a difference in your motive for self-denial. It has to be out of loving 
obedience for the Lord. We fall into asceticism when we abstain from things to prove our spirituality to others. Now, one example I'm going to use that, that, gets, that, that Christians, I still believe, should do is fasting. Fasting is an extremely beneficial spiritual discipline. But fasting is meant to be done in secret. Jesus was very clear about that. He's very clear in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, that it was supposed to be done in secret, that you weren't, <laughs> you're, you're not supposed to, you know, look sad or sound sad or sound hungry. You're not supposed to go around flaunting that you're, that you're fasting, right? <laughs> you get together with a bunch of people at, at, at you know, a church potluck or a, a, small, a connect group, whatever, and it, there's that person there, and it's like, hey, do you want, here, you want to get in line? You want something to eat? Like, no, I'm fasting. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm not. Move out of the way. Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and listen, if you, <laughs> Jesus says, like, if you do that, you, there's your reward right there. You've already got your reward for it. <laughs> now, fasting, fasting is great. It will, it will make you more sensitive to the Spirit. It will tune you into His voice. But it doesn't make you more saved. Fasting doesn't make you more saved. And when, I, when you fast, when I fast, I'm doing it because I love God. Fast is something Fasting is refusing to let anything else dominate you besides God. Fasting is good. Jesus said that, that his followers would fast, that they were going to fast one day. He was talking about us. <clears throat> so fasting is good, but it's not something that we go around and flaunt. It's not something that we go around demanding that others do. That is, that is not right. That is haughty. That is prideful. Now, Christianity is supposed to be a positive religion. We have joy Joy, it's not, (laughs) we shouldn't focus on the things that we can't do, but focus on the things that we're called to do. Now, obviously, it's not a hedonistic religion where you can do whatever you feel like doing, but I would say that it's hedonistic in the nature, hedonism is like where you, where you, um, it's all about pleasure, and you just, you do things for pleasure. Now, I would say that in Christ, there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. In the presence of God, Psalm 1611. And ever, because everything in life is so much better when it's for his glory. Everything in life is so much better for his glory. Now, there, there, uh, there's a, a theological term known as common grace, which basically means that there are things that God has put on this earth that everybody can enjoy, whether you believe in him or not. Right? So every person in the world can enjoy a good steak. I love New York Strip. It's incredible. Do you know why I can enjoy it more, though, than the non-believer? Because I can give God glory for creating that for me. Does that make sense? Because I can, because that flavor, the way that tastes, I'm like, Lord, you're like, you're awesome. Like, I don't know how you eat like a medium rare New York strip and not believe that God is real, but I do. I, it's a, it is, it's a spiritual experience for me and it's incredible. <laughs> there, there is, there, there is pleasure and joy found in God. And everything in life is actually so much better when we, when we do things for his glory. We must look at life as something good that God created for us to enjoy. Christians should not be walking around as, you know, Debbie Downers all the time because of the things that we can't do. There's so much that we get to do. It's incredible. He has an amazing, abundant life for us to live. <clears throat> Self-denial 
of the necessary things of this world does not make us more acceptable to God. We have died with Christ and been raised to life with him. Self-denial commandments are doctrines made up by sinful man, not by God. God has given us many things to enjoy, and it's of no value to abstain from them. Prohibitions do nothing to settle the issues of our hearts. The Pharisees, Jesus called whitewashed tombs. They looked good on the outside, but on the inside they were full of lust and greed and hate. Now I'll end with this. You don't overcome sin by saying no to it. You will not overcome sin by saying no to it. You overcome sin by saying yes to Jesus. You overcome sin by saying yes to Jesus. And Paul will go in the next chapter and he will say that you are supposed to fix your thoughts on heavenly realities. Simple concept. If I tell you not to think about an elephant, what do you think about? And so you're going to try real hard to not think about your sin. What are you going to think about? No, that's why we have to fix our thoughts on heavenly realities. 2 Timothy 2.22 says that we run away from youthful lust. And it's not a period, it's a comma. Run away from youthful, youthful lust. Pursue righteousness. Along with those who call upon God with a pure heart. So it's not that you run away from sin, you're running towards God. And in the running towards God, you are running away from sin. And along with those, with your church, with your family of believers who call upon God with a pure heart. Christianity is not a religion of prescriptions, but of a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Tonight, you have freedom from these isms. You have freedom from legalism, you have freedom from mysticism, and you have freedom from aestheticism. Hard word to say. We no longer have to look for ways to be acceptable to God. We have been made acceptable through our union with Christ. You don't have to earn favor, you already have it. You don't need another mediator, it's just Jesus. Galatians 5.1 says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Y'all stand with me. I know that was a mouthful. That was a lot. I I had to rush through a lot of it to get done by 8.03. But uh, I want to encourage you. If you miss something, go back and listen to it. It's so important. But I want you to feel freedom from these things tonight. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this freedom. We thank you so much that you sent Jesus that you sent your son, Lord, that you came for us so that we could have union with you, we could have relationship with you, that we could know abundant resurrection life, that we could know the fullness of life by entering into relationship with you, that we no longer have to walk according to our flesh, but because you, Holy Spirit, live on the inside of us, that we are no longer condemned by our past, we are no longer condemned by the law, but now we can walk by the Spirit We can walk by freedom. And Lord, you will inscribe your law on our hearts. And you will show us the way that you want us to walk. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We worship you tonight. Go before us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.